welcome to the Innovating Purpose podcast, where I'm striving to live intentionally and seeking clarity for new and young readers. Welcome to Newburgh Friends Church, and thanks for joining us. We hope that you've been enjoying worship so far and will continue to enjoy as we move, proceed through the service here today. Thanks for joining us. I wanted to come up with two illustrations at the, from the very beginning that deal with the subject matter. We've just gotten through Easter and the beauty and the wonder of the Resurrection Sunday. And before that, we had Palm Sunday. But even before that, we were in a study in Acts. And so today I want us to, to remember where we were at in Acts and then rejoin the story back into where we were so that we can experience the life of the early church. But before we get there, like I said, two illustrations. The first one was, uh, I was fairly young. I was probably somewhere in the range of uh, six to eight years old. So I was a little guy and my grandma was visiting my mom's mom. And she was in the kitchen, and she was a baker and a cook, and she loved to do those types of things. And so as a young child, I wanted to participate. I wanted to be in grandma's midst. But one thing she didn't know was that I had never handled very many uh, cooking utensils, and especially not knives. I had never really been given a knife before. So I remember there was that moment, and children are pretty funny about this because they don't um, know how to mask or disguise um, this moment very well. But she said, would you like to help me cut? I forget if it was tomatoes or potatoes, but tomato, tomato, right? So I, I went into the room and she said, would you like to help? And I said, oh, I'd love to help, Grandma. And I remember she handed me a steak knife. You know, as a kid, you always get the plastic knife or you get the butter knife when you're supposed to cut into stuff and the steak knife. And remember, it's got the different handle. And it's like you'd seen it on the counter, but you knew you shouldn't touch it. And so there was that moment. And she looked at me and I made that obvious reaction of, wow, look, like, look what I'm holding. And she said, you've used a knife before, right? And I went, oh, yeah oh yeah, I've definitely used a knife before. And she's like, okay. So I remember I grabbed whatever the fruit or vegetable was and I had my chopping board and I was so excited. I didn't know how to cut. I, I just went at it and I, I'm chopping this thing really hard and aggressive, almost like punching it. And I remember I did the big no-no that you never want to do when you get the knife for the first time. I hit a finger. And I remember that moment of dread, dropped the knife and I put my hand behind my back as though that was going to hold the secret from grandma. She saw it. I think all moms, grandmas, they have eyes in the back of their head. So she was probably watching me the whole time, even though I thought I did it so covertly. And she said, what happened? And I said, nothing. I mean, that is the dead giveaway for any child when they say nothing and their hands behind their back. It's obvious something has happened. And she said, let me see your hand. And obviously I showed her the hand and she said, the other one. And then the big reveal, and at that moment, I pulled my hand out, and it wasn't, a, it wasn't a severe, I mean, I still have all my digits, but as I showed her my hand, there's the drip of blood. I mean, it was a pretty good nick as I cut into my hand. And that fear, but also the deception, I thought somehow I could disguise this. Somehow I could get away with it. 
because I didn't want to let grandma down. I didn't want to go back on the lie that I had told that I'd handled the knife and then even tried to cover it up in further, further lies. And that's a simple illustration, but it brings into the heart that we are deceptive in our ways. The second illustration took place when I was in high school. And I'm not real proud of this moment. We all have those high school stories that we're not proud of. But I remember I wasn't feeling well, and it was actually finals week at my high school. Uh, I was a sophomore in high school. I have my driver's license. So, you know, I'm past all the other stuff. And I get in the car, and I'm late. I, I, had, a, I had, like, the flu, or I just I wasn't feeling good, and I was really late. And my, my teacher actually called my house to say, Keith is trying to skip the finals. And, I, and she said, no, he's sick. And he said, he better get here or his grade's going to drop. And I remember it was that awful feeling. I'm already late. I get in the car. And so what do I do? It was about a 35-minute drive to the school. We lived way out in the country. And I'm driving. And as a 16-year-old, you know, you think you can do whatever you want and no one will ever catch you. So in a 55-mile-per-hour speed zone, I was going about mm, 71, 72. And I'm, I'm cruising right along thinking I can make up time. I can get to this class. I'll be fine. I'll, I'll get my my late slip from the office, you know, I'm going through all this in my head. I wasn't driving crazy, but I was certainly speeding. And I remember seeing on, I lived in Illinois, so I mean, you can practically see the capital from a 45-mile perimeter around this uh, area. I remember seeing this side road that had a vehicle, I don't know, a tenth of a mile down. He was way back on the lane. And he starts coming, and he was stopped, and I saw the dust roar because he was on a gravel road, and I knew, oh no, I'm, if you've ever been there, if you've ever been pulled over, your heart just sinks, and you feel horrid, but there's all those things going through your mind. What's my story going to be? What am I going to tell him? How bad can I make it sound so that he'll let me off the hook? But I'm 16. I've never been pulled over. I've never been in the car when anyone's been pulled over. I just knew he was probably going to say something about a license, something about get stuff out of the glove box, all this crazy stuff. And so your mind is just crazy. Long story short, I got a ticket. I didn't, I actually didn't go with the deceptive route. He said, how fast do you think you're going? And I think I said, I think I said 72, and he said, actually, I got you at 70, so and I was like, oh, hey, <laughs> let's go with yours, <laughs> but um, he gave me the ticket, and I didn't really give an excuse. I just said I was late and shouldn't have been speeding and very kind and all that, but I remember that's not where it ended. I got to school. I had to go to the office. The office says, why are you late? Well, blah, 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 and I got a ticket, so you feel bad, but now that's been revealed. Then the teacher hears, oh, you got a ticket. They start to feel a little bit bad for you. It's been a pretty rough day. But that didn't even get me to the end of the day when I had to tell who? My parents. So that whole day was just miserable. I think I did terrible on the test that I was late for. I did terrible feeling just this guilt all day and this deception of holding it in and it just was a rough day. And I think you've been there where you've, you've done something that maybe you've done way worse. Maybe you've done nothing like that. But when you have to sit in that, it stings and it hurts. And we feel the wound of what sin does to our heart. And when we try to hold it in ourselves. Today, I want us to explore, and we are going to get into Acts, but I was reading in Matthew 6, verse 3, when it talks about doing things for the poor, doing things so that no one really notices, it's doing something with your right hand and not letting your left hand even know what you are doing. 
because you want to do something for the glory of God and not to promote yourself. So much of this story in Acts today is about self-promotion and doing things to make yourself look better. And so as we explore that today, I hope that you'll pray with me as we enter into this sacred space of opening God's word and, and being in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, with each other in the room that you're sitting in, and really recognizing that this is a call for each one of us to not sit in our own deceitful ways, but to really trust in the Lord and live for him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would open our hearts and that you would open our minds today as we learn together. That we would be able to put into practice the words that are spoken and that we would learn to listen to your voice, God, in our own lives. Lord Jesus, we pray that you'd give us clean hands, that you would give us pure hearts, and that today you would help us to recognize and to hear how we need to give our lives for the glory of your kingdom, for the glory of your name, Jesus, and so that it wouldn't be about us and trying to self-promote, but that we would be worried about living for the kingdom. And then in the midst of that, we would have great peace, a peace that surpasses all of our understandings because we are living in a peaceful state that you and you alone can provide. We lay our burdens before you, Lord, and whatever grievances, whatever troubles each one of us is in the midst of, that you would enter into our homes through our screens here today, and we would see and hear you well, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. As we join back into the story of Acts, this is a powerful scene for the early church. This is uh, one of those scenes that I love talking about the first couple of chapters of Acts because they get it so right. They are living for the glory of God. The church is exploding in a good way. People are being converted. People are believing in Jesus. People are giving their lives and devoting themselves to worship and to doing things for the glory of God. And the Holy Spirit is evidently on this early church. And we could just focus on those first couple of chapters and just be excited about it. But if you know anything about Acts, people begin to become people. And they start to do their own thing and do things their own way. And that's what we're going to experience here today. And what I want us to understand is that as Luke, the author of Acts, writes this, he He wants us to see not only the great movement of the Holy Spirit, but also the deception that begins to creep into the early church. It's a both end. Uh, we, We sometimes think, oh, if our church could be like the early church, that would solve everything. Well, the early church had its uh, uncle so-and-so and and Aunt Sally Sue that did these awful things— And it began to creep into the early church. So don't just be like, I need to switch churches or I need to attend over here. Be faithful where you're at, church, because we are in this together. There is sin in every congregation. There is sin in the lives of every pastor. So be engaged and be with us and be present. 
but don't think that it's, the grass is greener in other places. As I said before, Matthew 6 verse 3 is where I began to emphasize this giving to the poor and do not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. But my first illustration that I want us to understand in a new, fresh way is to be generous in love and in support. I want it to be clearly known of me that I am generous in both my words, in my kindness, in my actions, and in my giving of gifts and financial ways. I want to be known as generous in those ways, not for self-promotion, but done in such a way that people say, praise God, that person, Keith, did and what he was called to do, and he did it with a joyful spirit, not looking for self-promotion. As you can see, the church, we left off last time, Acts 4, verses 36 and 37, it leads off with this beautiful illustration of Joseph, who got the nickname of Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He gave a beautiful gift. He lived on an island of Cyprus, and he sold a field that he owned, and he brought the money to the apostles. We don't see some celebration of Barnabas. We don't see some moment where everybody says, look at Barnabas, look what he did. This is so beautiful. We see a man who saw a need. He gave a gift and he kind of backed up and said, this is my generous gift. Don't promote me. He gave because he felt called to give. And I want us to see this. I want us to understand that he wanted to not put any stipulation on his gift. He wanted to give because he wanted to accomplish kingdom work. I want us to really believe that we should be giving of our time and our energy and our gifts so that the kingdom of God's work will be advanced through us. Not so that we'll put our name on some placard. Not so that we'll be glorified and highlighted. But what I want us to do And I'm actually going to have us pause in a second here and read these verses together because we don't end in just chapter 4 with this great gift. Like I said, Luke was great at giving the other side of the coin. And in these first 16 verses, we see something happen here. So would you read Acts chapter 5 verses 1 through 16 as a family right now? I want to thank you for taking time to read God's word. And I want to highlight a few verses for you. Verses 4, 9, 14, and 16. 4, 9, 14, and 16. And I'll put these on the the screen for you here as well. In verse 4 it says, How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. And then you see that this man is eventually killed, you see in verse 9. How could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the Spirit of the Lord like this when his wife then comes in and says the same story? Verse 14, or a little bit of 13 and then into 14. No one dared to join them because they had such high regard for the people. In verse 14 it says, Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord, crowds of both men and women. And then in 16, we see something beautiful. People that were sick and needed healing, people that were just waiting along the side of the road were hoping that the shadow of Peter would fall upon them, and it says that they were healed. Can you imagine this moment in time? God's spirit is moving, but it was also terrifying. It wasn't 
Peter that demanded that these people be killed. He says, how dare you conspire to give a gift and say it's the whole gift when it wasn't the whole gift to have a discussion with you and your wife privately to say this is what we're giving when it wasn't actually what you were doing. And God kills them. This is one of those situations you go, wait, hold up, what? They weren't just slapped on the wrist. It wasn't just a moment of how dare you. It was the death sentence. So I want us to understand and perhaps take a step back and recognize the severity of what they were doing. Now that we've heard the story, now that you've read it in your own household, I I hope that as we go into the second illustration, that we will avoid deception and greed in our life. Avoid deception and greed. All these people were doing great things, and only a few things are recorded here. But some people, specifically Ananias and Sapphira, as they do these deeds, as they commit this this treason against God, as they they do these things to self-promote, they were looking for something beyond just a high five. They were hoping for the high regard and a statement like Barnabas received. I have to believe that they were thinking that they would be listed as the son of encouragement. But I think they were looking for that 15 minutes of fame. I think they were looking for that parade through town. Look at this beautiful gift because they did a similar act. Barnabas is highlighted as a man who gave and he was pure in heart. And they didn't do anything wrong from the early on stage. They decided to sell some property. Nothing wrong with that. They decided to give a gift to the church. There's nothing wrong with that. But it was that deceptive greed and wanting self-promotion and wanting to be seen as something different than they truly were. Their hearts were cold. And as I've read in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 30 and 31, It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. God is our judge, and we would be wise not to choose, we would be wise to not choose to directly disobey and ignore wise counsel. If in your spirit and the deed is not right, listen. Start to learn and look what what it looks like to listen to God. A terrible thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. Do we recognize that their deceitfulness wasn't minor? Their deceitfulness was grieving to the Holy Spirit, grieving to the Lord, and it was detrimental to the kingdom work that was being accomplished through the early church. And it shook up the entire village, so much so that some people didn't even want to attend. I mean, don't give the bad gift or you die. This is a fear that we have probably never experienced that gripped because God wasn't messing around when he was showing the people what happens when you grieve him. I want us to consider what it looks like to serve and to give when you're not pursuing the spotlight or the glory yourself. And I think too often in society we hear, oh, that'll only serve one or two people. You probably need to aim higher. You need to do more. You need to do something bigger and better. Oh, you only have five in attendance? Oh, you, I wish you had 10. Oh, you only have 100? Well, try 200. Oh, you've only got 1,000? Well, try a million. 
anybody can one-up you with telling you that what you are doing is not effective. But I want us to believe that if you are transformationally living and giving an example for one or two, how beautiful that is. And don't downplay the significance of serving and living righteously and giving a good example and sharing of your faith and sharing good deeds and, and believing and praying for a few. Don't downplay it and, and make it of lesser significance. If you are called to serve one or two, do it with faithfulness. I wish I could give you an, a new nickname that meant son or daughter of encouragement. I wish I could see all of the different ways that you are doing things, but I want you to hear this. God sees your investment in the one or two. Believe that your time, your energy, your gifts that he has given you are worth it. And they are beautiful. Don't forget that you don't need a bigger audience. Perhaps you need to invest in that one. Don't wish for more. Live into what you have and do well with the things and the opportunities you have before you. How many ideas from the early on days of technology, and I know I'm not that old, but I've seen a little bit of advancement in technology, but how many of us would have guessed that in the 1990s when something called video messaging or a video dialogue where you could see each other would have exploded into the scene and then now it is our main way of communicating with people that we can't see, whether they're overseas or, you know, the funniest thing I've ever seen is when a family's in a household and multiple people People are in one video chat because they don't want to get out of the room. It's hilarious what we've evolved into. It used to be this pay-per-minute type thing where you would use the phone call for that, but now it's a free device, and it's just a built-in feature on all these devices. Now, if you would have told those early-on developers, uh, this will never take off. Video messaging, videoing with other people will never happen. It won't be a big deal don't put your money and investment in it. How many of them could have fathomed where we would be today? Whereas you have a, a, a conversation with a child and they say, oh yeah, I was just on a, a Zoom call with 12 of my classmates and there was a teacher presenting. That just wouldn't even make sense to, to the early on technological things. But now we can go into any home in 2020 and you can connect in these different ways with a phone, with a tablet, with a laptop, with Alexa, with all these millions of products. We have so much. And yet how much do we redeem for the glory of God? How many of these devices do we use for the technological good of our neighbor and our friend? How many of these things and these opportunities do we just sit around and waste? In our efforts to connect with one another, what we've ended up doing is we've pursued selfish gain. If I get this newer, brighter, shinier device, I will be crisper, cleaner, clearer when the message that I'm pr pronouncing and announcing to the world is to say to them, I've got the shiniest thing, therefore look at me. I want you to work on your own heart. Not be promoting your own selfish gain and to, for you to look better. I want you to say, God, with what I have right now, Help me to get my message clear. Help me to articulate through my livelihood and through the things that I do so that others see it and say, 
Praise God, that person's living into the way that they are skilled. They are using their gifts right where they're at, and they didn't need XYZ technology to be able to promote the good livelihood, the good, good work that is accomplished only through the kingdom of God work that we can do. So let's redeem. Let's be the church that utilizes these things well. What I want us to also recognize is that these people, they used Ananias and Sapphira, they used dishonest gain and dishonest gifts, and it led to a, a compromised character. It revealed their black heart, their darkened heart with sin, because they were, they were greedy. This wasn't something that was a new development. I have to imagine that this was probably what they had been doing for a while but they got caught in it. Are you monitoring yourself that your heart is not slowly slipping into more deception and further and further deceit that ends in a blackened heart, full of rampant, full of sin, the cancerous sin of greed, the cancerous sin of wanting self-promotion, who in their right mind would ever want to promote themselves? I mean, let's be honest. Everybody thinks they want to be famous, but when you're famous, everybody sees every move you make. Let's be famous for the kingdom of God. And when, when our mouths are open, they say, I hear the voice of Jesus and I see the actions of Jesus through that person. Let's be that type of person that we're not looking at how many likes and how many views and how many times things are happening, but we're actually saying, wow, I'm, I'm seeing life change. I'm seeing people know Jesus for the first time. I'm hearing of the kingdom work that is being accomplished when that person opens their mouth or when that person draws that painting or when that person blesses others. Let's not worry about looking a certain way to society. And my last point Represent Jesus through your life. And this one's simple because it goes to 2 Timothy verses 22 and 23. Run away from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. Run from those youthful lusts. Be disciplined that we would be so conscientious and cautious that we are a representative of Christ Jesus with each and everything we do. In your own life today, I want to give you some applicable ideas for you to move forward and to live this out. Perhaps the gifts that you've been given from our Heavenly Father are like this. Perhaps your gifts are the words of encouragement. We've all met that type of person that is beautiful in their encouragement. Whether they write it down, or they speak it aloud, or they video chat it to you, or send you that email, their gift is encouragement. Who do you need to be a Barnabas to today? Or perhaps your gift is through an action like sewing or quilting or knitting or making blankets or masks for those that are in need. Can you put your hands to use? Maybe you can't articulate with your words, but you can create beauty for others that have a need. 
that are desperate in these times? Would you put your hands to work? Perhaps you enjoy making music. Maybe music or, or drawing paintings is your thing. Is now the time for you to record? Is now the time for you to teach how to do these things? Is now the time for you to share or play out loud or maybe even in your front yard just to be a blessing to one neighbor that you are singing holy songs to the Lord God? Again, friends, this is not for self-promotion. This is not so that you'll get a crowd. Our goal needs to be kingdom-focused. What if you could break down that barrier that has been between you and your neighbor or your friend and actually have a conversation? And they say, I didn't know you could play. I play the trumpet. And they come out and they join you. And you make a joyful noise to the Lord. I want to share some, something with you that um, has been a huge blessing to me over the years. Uh, I know you probably don't know all of the things that have happened to me in my life, and I'm glad for that, for some, some bits of this. But there are also aspects that I want you to hear. I have bad days. There are days when I have self-doubt. There are days when I don't want to be in front of a camera. Imagine that. There are days when I want to be in my t-shirt and shorts and just running around in my yard because I don't want anybody to see me. I want to have a life. There are also days when I get compliments, and I love those days. But as you can imagine, with compliments also come, let's just call them suggestions, where people write something that they mean to say it perhaps a different way, and their heart may be right. And some of them, I do question if their heart was right. Where they write that mean-spirited thing, that corrective tone. And I, I don't want you to hear that I don't need correction in my life, but there are some moments where I say, ah, I don't think that was for me. Um, and I'm not going to hold on to that. I'm not going to let it darken my soul. But what I, what I started doing early on in ministry, and it was such a blessing, my wife actually saw this in me. She knows that words of affirmation and encouragement is one of my love languages. And so when someone goes out of their way to articulate something about me, it's such a blessing to me, and I'm not going to go into all the details, but what she decided to do was to make me this, it's a, just a cardboard box. And she put this in front of me on my desk, and she said, every time you get complimented, every time you get a note, every time you get a card, every time your children draw you a drawing, every time something happens in your life that is of encouragement to you and it's a memory and it's, and, you know, it's something that you want to remember, stick it in the box. So when you have that sour comment, when you have that moment when somebody says something that you just go, oh, and your heart is grieved, she said, pull out that box and remember that you've gotten way more compliments than you may be remembering right now. You have way more people that believe in you and are praying for you. You have way more people that are encouragers in your life than that one depressing comment. And I want you to, to hear this. Can you be that encouragement to someone else? Maybe you need to make a box like this. Maybe you've never really taken advantage of the people that bless you. Starting a journal and writing down how many things have blessed you, whether it was a small card or a gift of money. But I know this box is getting heavy, and I might need a second box. And that is such a blessing to me when I feel weighed down with the nasty stuff that I can say, thank you, Lord, 
for the people that have been encouragers. So I hope that lives, you can live into this church, uh, that here in Newburgh, friends, we are people of encouragement. I don't want us to um, all have it look like this, but what if we all had a box like this in our life? I want you to hear this as well. There are so many things that I've done in my life that I'm not proud of. There are things that I should or shouldn't have said. There, maybe you feel the same way. There, there, and I want, I want you to speak with the Lord today. I want you to confess some things to the Lord and really get your heart right. I want you to ask the Lord to forgive you for the nasty things that you've done to others. The things you've thought or the actions you've done. Not so that you'll feel better, but so that you can give it to the Lord and then perhaps what would be beautiful is on the other side if you were to call that person up and say, I'm sorry. What I said or what I did, it shouldn't have happened. Will you forgive me? Going to the Lord first, but then going to the person, it takes that weight off of our shoulders. Let's not be people that are so full of deception and just keep burying our emotions and burying all the sin and grief and doubt but that we actually bring it up as a sweet offering to the Lord and say, Jesus, what you did on the cross, what you did covers all my sins and this purity, this resurrected self that you now live in, you defeated this luggage and this baggage and this guilt and this deceit and I am leaving it before you, Jesus. Would you make me pure? Asking in Jesus, asking Jesus to forgive you and then believing in him is beautiful. So I want you to remember to be faithful with the gifts that Jesus has given you. May we be the church in this way. Let's pray. Jesus, 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 there is no sweeter name than yours. We recognize and we are overwhelmed when we try to pursue our own selfish interests, how deceiving it is. And we don't get very far before we recognize that there isn't an amount of popularity that will ever satisfy the hunger that is within us. And that we, when we really sit down and think, we recognize that we were not made to be satisfied on this earth. We were made for something eternal. And we want to start living right now as though we believe that the eternal exists. We want to live right now in a forgiven state. So we want to come before you with our grievances, with our problems, with our sinful ways, our wickedness and our deceit, and we say, Jesus, would you take it? And we ask that you would forgive us in your holy, life-giving name, Jesus, that you would cleanse us from all our unrighteousness so that we can be with you for eternity. And as we begin today, that we would be so worshipful, we would be so enthusiastic and emphatic that we need to live for you. And would you change our hearts from these cold stone black hearts and that they would be pure and not self-promoting, but that they would be Jesus-promoting and kingdom work promoting. Would you bless us, Jesus? Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for being a resurrected Savior that loves us. 
and we worship and love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining today, Newburgh Friends Church. It is my joy and my pleasure to be here with you. Thanks for welcoming me into your place today. God bless you as